Welcome back to That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, Emily Duncan. And today's episode is part two of a two-part episode, Finding Safety and Sovereignty in Your Body After Sexual Assault with Vanessa Hook. There is a trigger warning for today's episode, as Vanessa and I do discuss sexual assault, particularly Vanessa's experiences with sexual assault and reclaiming her body after those experiences. So I hope you enjoy today's episode, Shaggers. So... I guess moving on to mm-hmm. the like, feeling safe within your body. Mm. What are some steps that somebody can take to start trying to feel more safe within their bodies again? Yeah, what a journey, I must say. Yeah, I can um, imagine. First of all, like in the initial stages, it's all about allowing yourself the space to recognize that you have been affected by something I know that initially for me I wanted to kind of like the um, situation when I was 10 just push it down and pretend like it didn't happen so I kind of continued to be like um, out there sexually you know I was trying to I was still trying to be this fun single flirtatious person but it's like I just was not her at all anymore you know I couldn't get in bed with someone without having a panic attack but I was still pushing myself to do it you know I was still like come on this is fun you love this like you know like like it's fine but it was not fine you know like I was having internal panic attacks all the time Mm -hmm. and um so I think the first step is just allowing yourself space and it's like you can't and I I love the I the um saying that's like you can't heal a wound while you're picking it so it's like if you Mm -hmm. know that something is triggering for you then stop doing it so instead of turning to drugs and alcohol like I did you should you know hold the space for you and like envision wrapping yourself in bubble wrap so you're like okay something has happened to me I am very fragile right now I need to wrap myself in bubble wrap and then really think about what safety looks like to you so I think it's important to take um with sexual assault a period of not having sex with anyone you know stepping right back from your sex life and just allowing you to be with yourself because sexual assault although it might be um with you know caused by one person you then begin to like not trust everyone so and a lot of that's like the dis- like the disgust that you might feel just in your own body like I just wanted to rip my skin off I just wanted a whole new layer like I just wanted a whole mm. new body I was like I can't exist in this body so it's like when you're in that state it's like of course it's not a good idea to invite other people into your space um so when you're trying to like um get to safety finding safety in yourself first so it's really hard in these times to be alone, but it's what you need to do. Like you need to sit alone with yourself, cry it all out, cry, scream, smash plates, paint. Like these are all ways that I expressed my emotions because I was just like, a, I wrote poetry. Like I was just pouring it out, like let everything that's built up and like caught inside of you, just like let it out. So you have to, just rage I think a period of rage mm-hmm. a period of rage a period of isolation and then a, and then getting help so immediately I knew you are not 
yourself you are not okay you need professional help and that's why I'm such a big advocate for therapy because I'm just like I don't know how I would have yeah um processed that at all without Mm. it um but yeah I think I really kind of my recovery only really began once I was willing to cut out sex from my life you know like once I was Mm. willing to say actually I can't sleep with anyone you know like I can't Mm -hmm. um so yeah taking that time for yourself and then allowing safe people into your life um Mm. people that you already know and trust are the easiest ones to let in but sometimes you have to let in others because they are they're the ones that's going to like reteach you that it is safe to be in a relationship with people and like I said before Mm. those relationships that I did build in that really fragile time are probably like some of the most precious to me because I'm just like wow you saw me at my absolute worst and you showed up for me yeah Yeah. how obviously it would be different for everybody but how long Mm. did you go not having sex um six months six months Yeah. yeah So I had a period of six months, which was like absolutely massive for me because like from the age that I started having sex at like 15, um, I was like in a long-term relationship for eight years, had sex. Like every time I saw them, like we were very hypersexual, very hypersexual relationship. Um, And then I became single and I still kind of like kept that same pattern. Like I was quite a, like many a times myself, like my friends would refer to me as like a sex addict. Like I just... I just could not stop like, and mm-hmm. I didn't know why and so, mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to like look back and wonder like did that you know was that me overcompensating for my trauma because it's like if I don't do it then it's like you kind of have to sit with whatever sexual feelings you mm-hmm. are feeling mm-hmm. come up yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah so when when people found out that I had in that sits for six months they were like whoa like you all good and I was like, nope <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but it was really interesting when I did go back to having sets, like, um, you know, sometimes sometimes it can be fine and then sometimes it can be incredibly triggering. So it's yeah. really hard because it's like, uh, yeah, this idea that if you have to be completely fine before you get back into it, which is kind of part of what we can um, talk about here. Oh, but I just wanted to add before we move on to um, beyond safety about like if people were trying to establish safety after like sexual assault, a big thing is like if it happened in your house to change your bedding. So buy yourself new sheets, you know, change your room, change, make it a safe space instead. Like, um, so buy yourself a weighted blanket. Weighted blankets are amazing. I'm currently yeah. using one. <laughs> I've never used one, but I really want one. Love it. Um, blocking the person you know blocking blocking Mm -hmm. the rapist blocking the abuser whatever context it is blocking them and also any associated people with them you know like you don't have to be friends with their friends anymore you know like unless you are truly friends with them and unless you truly want to continue that friendship really just acknowledge that that person is a trigger for you so there were so many people that were linked to my you know um it's partner that I just blocked because I'm just like I don't want to think about him ever and seeing Mm. you guys is just a reminder and you don't provide anything for my life um and yeah so blocking no sets (laughs) therapy um and then about like platonic 
male connection was such a massive healing thing for me because I had never done it. I had never experienced that. Um, I think that that experience at such a young age left this imprint, you know, like I was saying before, that women are for men's pleasure and that mm. is the purpose of my body or my existence. Yeah. Like I deeply believe for a long time that that was like, that's what I'm good for, you know, for sets. And it's like, wow, like, no, absolutely not. So it's like now I have like this amazing, like, quite a few like male friends that are just purely platonic and we hang out and we talk like normal friends and it's been such a healing thing for me to just be seen in a different light from that male energy because it's like teaching me that it's like it's not this automatic thing like I'm not going to hang out with a male and they're going to like you know assault me which yeah. is like a big thing for me to rewire so it's been really mm -hmm. healing yeah absolutely I think they're all great points um I really liked like, like where you said, like, changing the room and things like that, because mm. I guess a lot of people might just think about, okay, well, how can I get back yeah. to myself sexually? And, like, you know, thinking about, I guess, in a sexual way, then just, like, those mm. little things that you probably, when you're in that state of stress, wouldn't even necessarily think about. Um, yeah, that's really interesting and really important. The going, so, like, having sex again mm -hmm. how was that experience going back into that like did you have to set certain boundaries to be able to get back into that I guess space yeah so I'm actually like just realizing in this moment that the the tinder guy that I told you about that I roasted because he like absolutely used me for my body I just realized that that was the first person that I had sex with after that big like hiatus wow so, so what a not welcoming we... way to come back into this to having sex <laughs> no but luckily for him we had had one encounter before that where he was yeah. actually really good like we had the most amazing set so I thought that I was like completely fine I didn't think okay, that was yeah. a thing for me anymore I just thought okay. you know so I had seen him like two weeks prior to that. So I think that's why there was that big reaction of like, I know you can do better than this. I've seen you do better and you're giving me this instead. And that's not okay. <laughs> like, because like, to me, I saw that as like, you are making a choice. You're not ignorant. You are choosing, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. But I guess when I went back to sets, I kind of just got to a point where I was like, I was horny again. I was open to it. So I thought I'd try. And then I did have a good experience with that guy the first time. And then the second guy, I mean, the second time um, with that guy was not a good experience. And I blew up at him. And then kind of after that, I decided that it was still a massive thing for me because I remember leaving that guy's house like after I roasted him. And then I just had this huge panic attack in my car. Like I absolutely fully dissociated from my body. So that's like the sensation that you're not in your body like it's almost like you're like looking at yourself or you're just not present in the moment at all you are somewhere else like it's just that mind body disconnection um so completely dissociated but from my body and then I like was like checking like graphic but like checking my vagina basically for ejaculate because I was like well did he even wear a condom you know like if you treated me like that who's to say that he was wearing a condom when he said that he was wearing a condom and I got really in my head and I just felt so unsafe like I just wanted any kind of like remains out of me um and then I guess that kind of taught me that I still had you know big issues around this um so I think the 
relationships after that were the ones that I attempted you know like I slowly but surely and definitely have now in this moment accepted and learned that for me it's important to talk about it with my partners you know to Mm -hmm. I like to disclose it um I've decided that's how I'm going to operate you know for me it's important for me to speak my truth and to say like this is what I've experienced um this is how it affects me so for me it you know looks a bit like you know, I've been sexually assaulted before. I'm really sensitive to being made to feel like I'm an object. So I do mm-hmm. not like um, engaging in a set that feels one-sided. I will not feel safe in a situation where you're just worried about your own pleasure. Like, so if someone doesn't touch me, like, you know, like touch my clit or stimulate or like full play, like if you don't do full play with me, it's just like, absolute no. Like there isn't, we're not going beyond there. Like there's mm-hmm. no, there's no way we're having sets. So really learning where your boundaries lie. And for me, it is like full play is an absolute must. Um, I have to disclose and I have to feel safe and I have to be sure that that sure or like be proven by that person that if I was to say no, that they would just stop mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. And I have had, and I think it's worth noting that it's like, although some men uh um disgusting for a lack of a better word um some are really um amazing some really can hold the space for people you know some will absolutely stop some people do not see it as like a burden they do not see it as like a thing and of course they want it to be consensual and of course they care and of course they're listening um so it's really it's been really beautiful for me to kind of go through this journey and kind of you know, sleep with new people who, when I open up to this about them, I mean, when I open up about it to them, they um, just like accept it. And they're just like, okay, like, that's fine. Like we can, I'm happy to meet those, um, those needs, you know, like, Mm -hmm. just tell me if you need me to do this or that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's amazing. I mean, it's, and that's, like, I say that's amazing, but it should literally be the bare minimum. (laughs) The bare minimum. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, we do live in a world where when somebody does that, it mm. feels obviously really good because that's how it how it should be. Um, yeah. And I'm glad, like, you have had those experiences and it hasn't been something that's, you know, just continued to just be, mm. um, I guess, unsafe and negative experiences because, yeah, I can imagine, and I know you mentioned earlier that when you – if you're in a situation where you don't have those boundaries, then you can, you know, find yourself in the same situations. Yeah. 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 The, um, and because so much of my, like, oh, not really, like, I have, like, this, one of my rules with myself is that, like, I won't make a decision about, like, a sexual experience unless I'm feeling grounded in that moment. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, if I'm already in my head, I already know it's not going to be a good experience for me. Um and that's actually something that um, I saw. I'm working with like a sex and relationship coach at the moment. Her name is mm-hmm. um, Michelle Casey. She's amazing. And that's something mm-hmm. that she said like on one of her little like um, Instagram videos or whatever. And it just hit home. I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So I really try to embody that and just be like, you know, like just accept that this is like a thing for you and that sex looks a little different to you than it used to and that that's mm-hmm. okay. Like, a hundred percent, and I think there's a lot of pressure in the sexual world mm. to have a certain sexual script that people follow, um, mm. and one that 
is going to pleasure your partner the most. I feel like a lot of women we give and we don't receive. Um, so to then have sexual trauma and know that you need certain things to feel safe yes. and to be able to have yeah. sex, I can imagine would be quite an intimidating space to be in when typically we are, you know, we just give to what, give kind of to what they want and to have your own yeah. voice and um, speak up. For feeling grounded, is there any things that help you feel grounded? Weighted blanket. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. really thought like a weighted blanket, man. Like I all the times that I like the race, like, you know, all the times that I have dissociated like in sets, I immediately just grab my blanket and bring myself back down. If we're yeah. talking about before, like your act before you become activated, it's things like breath work things like taking it slowly having those conversations you know um and really just being in the moment or really recognizing when you're not in the moment so you know you could be making out with someone start to do stuff and then if you suddenly feel that you're not there anymore just being like actually I need to stop you know and I love I love practicing that now, you know, like I love like in the last, the last sets partner that I had, like we were in the middle of sets and I just said, I need to stop. Like, you know, and just honoring that feels yeah. so fucking good. Yeah. Cause I just think it's so important because it's like, for me, like if it, if it had to, it's just on like a scale, you know, if zero is like me feeling very calm and very present, I sometimes struggle between like sitting between what we're trying to prevent basically is preventing that like, instant flick what feels like an instant flick from like normal to being in like a panic attack because mm. it's like for me I'm trying to avoid that level 100 I'm trying to avoid that full body response it's like I don't want to get to that point where I'm having flashbacks where I'm crying I don't want to get there so I think really becoming conscious when you are having sets before you get to like a what becomes a bad situation and a situation that's like reminds you of it or like reminds you that sex isn't safe because you want to have scenarios where you actually you know communicate with your partner or slow down and then they like reassure you and they maintain that like safety bubble because it's mm. like if you keep pop if you keep popping it you'll just never want to have sex again <laughs> yeah absolutely do you have um any other things to touch on in moving towards feeling safe within your body um pleasure with yourself first definitely mm -hmm. so for me for a while I couldn't even masturbate without um having flashbacks mm -hmm. um I associated like because you know sometimes when you like um, masturbate you like to fantasize right about like past mm -hmm. its experiences but it's like when you do that my brain would just take me to the darkest of places and it's like it became like this big tie-in um and then obviously it being with someone who I have had very pleasurable um, situations with, it just becomes really hazy. So I think if you can't even like lie in the bedroom at night by yourself, touching yourself and giving yourself pleasure and feeling safe and centered in that moment, you're not ready to have sex with another person. So you have to really get into that first and, you know, see if you can provide that space and love for yourself. Um, before you invite someone else and so working on um that yeah and then a big one with the safety thing it's just like the whole reframing 
the whole reframing of the whole situation because it's so common to blame yourself you know like we were talking about how people say oh but you said yes at the end or like you didn't fight back or whatever it is so it's so easy for you to blame yourself for your own um sexual assault experiences um I know that I definitely did you know I blamed it on like um, how promiscuous I am and you know like oh you know you've had this many sexual partners and the last blah blah so it's your fault that you eventually got sexually assaulted but it's like no no absolutely fucking not like these people were your friends like of all, like first of all you know like these are people that you loved and trusted the people that are meant to keep you safe like regardless of what else you're doing doesn't mean that that was okay um, so creating discernment between like what you chose versus what actually happened to you so for me a big thing even with the situation when I'm 10 because there was some blaming myself around that scenario it's like I should have just left you know like I'm telling my 10 year old self that she should have left she shouldn't have ever been in that situation she shouldn't have ever had someone do that to her but like you know here I am saying that she should have known better or she should have reacted better um so creating that discernment between what you chose and what actually happened so for me it was a big one about like you went to their house you know so I went to that boy's house when I was 10 I went to that boy's house when I was 23 therefore it's my fault that it happened to me and creating that discernment between I chose to go to his house and I did not choose for him to put his hands down my pants after I told him that I didn't want to have sex with him you know like no no you did not choose that um because yeah, and I think when you create that discernment with your like um, situations that you've had, you can kind of realize that um, there is safety within yourself because a lot of it is like loss of your loss of control and trust in yourself and your own decisions. Um, so yeah, I think it's just powerful to be like, what am I choosing? What am I not choosing? And applying it to every situation. So if you go on a Tinder date, I'm choosing to meet this guy for dinner. I'm not choosing to have sex with him, you know? And it's like, if he was to touch you inappropriately, that's not a suggest, that's not saying that you're asking for it or that it was your fault or anything under that whole column that we put it in, but just like their own behavior, um, their own disgusting behavior. And thank mm -hmm. God they showed you quickly so you could run away. Exactly, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So where are you at now within your journey? Yeah, so I am pretty good in like in terms of things like, I guess when I say pretty good, what I mean is that like after the sexual assault <laughs> at 23, I developed like PTSD. So I was having mm. the full flashbacks, nightmares, crying, depression, anxiety suicidality like I was really ill for a long mm -hmm. time um so like all of that kind of stuff has finished now which is beautiful because I'm like oh my god I could breathe I could smile I'm laughing like I'm so happy but the thing that does still linger for me is those like I do struggle with intimacy and for me that just looks like when I get into like I can't have sex people with people but there will be sometimes you know maybe I don't know 50 50 50 percent of the time it could be fantastic no problem 50 percent of the time I will get triggered and I will get upset and I've kind of just accepted that that is where I'm at you know mm -hmm. I try not to put any pressure on myself um to not experience that because it's like you've if you've experienced something um so jarring 
um, then of course it's going to leave an impact on your body mm, in the way that you experience intimacy. You know, so for me, even being intimate with someone still carries a lot of fear. Um, so I avoid it. I'm currently in my avoidance phase 2.0. I just haven't been, mm-hmm. haven't been putting myself out there. I have not been mm-hmm. having sex. Um, yeah, but when I have had good sex, it's been within like a safe relationship. Um, I think I would really like to get back to like the version of me that was more, yeah, I think I think a good point to make that with, with sexual assault, people often miss the person that they were before it happened to them. Yeah. And like for me, before I was sexually assaulted at 23, I was, like I said, very, very flirtatious, very outgoing, very just independent. And I didn't have a lot of fear. Whereas, you know, after that event, I kind of did. So I mourn her like every day. And I've kind of got into a point where it's like, I know I won't be her ever again because that version of me hadn't experienced what I've experienced. Yeah. Um, so kind of just accepting that and moving into a different version that's better in a lot of ways you know I have way stronger boundaries way stronger Mm. boundaries you know I do let way less toxic people near me um so you're just celebrating what's good about you um and just accepting the bits that are you know not the best Mm. um I think that the fact that you're able although you have mourned your Mm. past self the fact that you're able to look at what you I guess are doing better and Mm you know, having stronger boundaries and you're probably getting to know your body. I mean, you'd have to learn yeah. about your body again because once it yeah. holds trauma, it's a, it's a different body. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's amazing that you're able to sit here now and acknowledge that and be aware of it because um, I know it would just be so easy to just shut down and mourn the life that yeah. you had. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, I think that was the part that I've always found, like, the hardest, just the sense that I lost myself. But it's like, I think the beautiful thing about like completely losing yourself or completely disintegrating is that you get to rebuild yourself exactly how you want to be. And it's Mm. like, well, I want to be a person that has very strong boundaries that communicates her needs um, and that has really big empathy for others. You know, like I can relate so much more to other people's struggles because of what I've been through. And I think Mm. I see that as a gift, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I guess (laughs) currently avoiding relationships. And I know that when I do go into another relationship, whether that's just casual or, you know, long-term, that there will be struggles for me and that I will have triggers at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's something for me to do at my own pace so that it's not, it doesn't have to be a rush, that I don't have to be 100%, um, you know, normal and there is no normal. And that sometimes, like, you, I was going to do like a wiggle thing, but people can't see my <laughs> like my finger. But like recovery isn't like this straight line. Like, you know, no. like there will always, time, there will always be times where you're triggered. And yeah. 100%. So just remembering that there's people that will support you and mm. hold the space. And, and those are the like, people that you want to have sex with. Yeah. And I feel like there'll be times that you might be in such a good mental state. You think, you know, you've worked through a lot of it yes. and your body will just respond. And then you're like, fuck all right, yeah. you know, and you just yeah. got to address it in that moment, even if it catches you off yeah. guard. Because that's just, like, our bodies, they're amazing, yeah. but they're fucked. The way that they can yeah. do this shit to us, like, and hold on to trauma yeah. and 
it's just yeah. it's so confusing for our mind that obviously of our mind and our body but we're mm. so disconnected if that makes sense yeah. um yeah it's just it's i can only imagine the journey it just it'd be lifelong it's a lifelong yeah. journey yeah hold, like the shame that we hold in our bodies is just yeah. it's there f- for it's more letting to live with it and how to uh, you know i guess see it and accept it than yeah. trying to get rid of it yeah that's the thing i it's um yeah i hold a lot of shame for even like still having like panic attacks when I have sets like because sometimes it does happen and it did happen like even just in like December um Mm -hmm. which was the last time I had sets (laughs) but (laughs) like just like yeah doing things like getting under my weighted blanket being with someone who can support me being with someone who's not going to judge me you know like they distracted me and said they took me out for a walk that they didn't just like up and leave because mm. it's like this this fear I have that like oh my god I can't possibly be that emotional in front of like another person because they'll find that like off-putting too much you know like no mm. one wants to deal with that you know but it's like some people actually have capacity and love and a decent fucking humans <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah and I'm glad that you've had those experiences um yeah there can be some good ones out there. Just got to find yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And never let them go. <laughs> Are there any things that you would like to see change within society? Oh, my gosh. Um, Everything. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the fact that it's like um, we were talking a bit about like how common it is among women. Um, and also, like, I think a lot of men – like to pretend that it's not like you know the whole like not all men movement Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's like it's predominantly men and I think good point also just to note that not all rapists are men some are women and that definitely does happen um Mm. but like I think it all comes down to education is what I like one of the biggest things I want to see is change because it's like if I was educated as a child about like my boundaries and about consent and what sexual assault is and you know like or not just like being made to do something you know like being taught how to say no basically um you know so education around consent I love that Australia or is it just New South Wales New South Wales the new authority of consent yeah um, yeah, just New South Wales that and the um compulsory consent education in schools I just is that know, all of Australia? I think it might be all of Australia because I think it is. Yeah. I think it's so they're doing like, like a yeah. compulsory consent mm. education, which I think is amazing to just yeah. teach young people about their bodies so that other people don't have access to them. And, you know, so that um, childhood traumas, whether that's like, you know, being assaulted by a family member, for example, that could be picked up a lot earlier because children are taught, you know, that if someone does this to you, that's wrong, and that you need to tell them, tell someone else, even if they say don't tell anyone, you know. Um, yeah, so I think consent is such a big one, and part of the reason why I want to get in, well, while we're doing um, sexology, you know, to hopefully go into some schools and just, like, teach some teenagers, especially girls, like, you do not owe anyone your body, and that your body mm-hmm. is your own, and for your own pleasure. It's not for anyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah. i yeah i wish that was a part of the 
curriculum growing up. Like, fuck, that would have been empowering. And to also say that in a room full of all genders, that women, Mm. you know, have their own bodily autonomy and do deserve pleasure so that the men can hear it too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think it's about teaching women to have like stronger boundaries and know that there's the ability to say no and then teaching men to be fucking respectful yeah, and to fuck, not yeah. push yeah. it. Like that that's not okay, that it's not like yeah. manly to like assert someone like, you know, yeah, yeah, yucky. Yeah, um, no, so yes, like the education side of it and then society being like less victim blaming and less mm-hmm. slut shaving. So that's all yeah. the... Yeah. The rape myths, all the you know, wasn't rape if there's no physical aspect to it, or you know, you can't be raped if you were drinking, or like you know, or what all you the were ones wearing, that yeah, yeah, what mm. you're wearing out at night alone. Like, I hate that. Like, Same. what did you like the the comment? What did you expect? Literally makes me want to like laugh. It's um, disgusting. So there's like the society stuff and then in the law, we mentioned a bit about the affirmative consent law. Um, For anyone that doesn't know, it basically just states that when it comes to like sexual assault cases, a clause on it anyway, that like someone has to have gained either verbal or like, um, what's the other one? Communicative, like a verbal or... They basically have to have communicated their consent. It's like more now, I guess the perpetrator what yeah. they did to obtain consent yeah. instead of the victim yeah. having to prove how they try to stop it yeah so the um perpetrator will be questioned on how did they gain consent or at what point did they believe that they had gained consent and that will be examined and then like is that you know significant because it's like mm-hmm. often in these cases there aren't there isn't a point where the man's you know man for example um says you know do you want to have sex that doesn't happen and Mm -hmm. but it's like often in those situations the other person may have froze so it's like the fact that they didn't respond you know I mean there was no question to respond to anyway but you know what I mean um so I think that's a really important bill and I think just even in my own sexual life if I went Mm. back and asked every single man I had sex with, what did they mm-hmm. do to obtain consent with me? I can imagine most of them would be nearly fucking speechless. Yeah. Like, because I just want to know. And honestly, I can say the same. Like, there's yeah. not many times that I have stopped and had a conversation to make sure that this is consensual. Because I do find also being, if I'm having sex with men, being the woman, it's kind of more of that submissive Mm. face if that yeah. makes sense like not the one asserting yeah. the the sex um but yeah, yeah it's a just... massive one like yeah. just about um women like women also checking in with men because obviously men can be assaulted as well so it's like a, yeah. it's a two-way street it is um, it is absolutely it is but I guess it's just more I don't know it's a very it's such it's it's a very difficult it's just a difficult situation. Like it would be a whole podcast mm. episode just on <laughs> that scenario. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just so complicated. Yeah. And I think when we've been brought up in a society where consent hasn't been taught and where women don't have really bodily autonomy at all and where, you know, these 
submissive on the receiving end. It's, you know, it's just, it's so, it's just so complicated and so, and it shouldn't be, it should, like, I, I can only imagine a world where we've taught consent properly and it's something that you don't even think about. Like, it just, somehow you just include it in, in sex. Like, you know, there's, we have, everyone has this one liner and it just smoothly works and it doesn't make it awkward. It doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, well, it I don't see be, what's yeah. awkward at all about it's it. Not, like, what it could, it's not. What could be awkward? I, it's, and I don't the, think it is awkward. I think it's more, one, people don't know how to ask mm. and how to include it into sex. And also, yeah. like, I imagine, I actually don't, I don't know. I don't know if it would be if somebody did ask. If anything, I think I'd be caught off guard in a good way. If that yeah. makes sense, because nobody asks. I remember meeting a guy once in a bar and he asked if he could kiss me. And I honestly found it the most beautiful thing ever. I think he asked me if he, if I could, if I wanted to dance with him first. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, you know, normally they kind of just like make it happen, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. but I uh-huh. actually kind of liked the slow like pace of like, is this okay? You know, and mm-hmm. I was like, yes. <laughs> like, you know, yes, yeah. I'll dance with you. And it's like, you know, do you want to kiss me? And I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's just such a different thing, but it like becomes like the sexy thing. Um, and if it was something that was normalized and happened all the time, yeah. it would just, it'd just be a part of it. it you yeah. know, like it would just become easier. Um, is there anything else with, I guess, everything that we've talked about that you want to add or discuss? Um, I, I just wanted to like, send out a bit of a message I guess to anyone that has experienced sexual assault and that you're not alone um there's literally millions and millions of people that can relate to you um so never alone and that it's not your fault because it's such a big thing that gets in the way the the self-blame the shame that it wasn't your fault and that regardless of how long it took you to either recognize that it was sexual assault to either accept that it was sexual assault, like say only six months ago, only six months ago, I fully accepted that my ex did this to me. I had this moment of like, that was sexual assault because there's so much other stuff on top of that that I just didn't really think about that scenario. So it's like, this is very a new realization for me to be like, actually, that's a whole nother layer of that whole terrible time. Um, But yeah, really, and then the fact whether or not you report it does not determine the validity of your experience. Mm. So it's like, you do not have to report something like to police or, you know, anyone, you don't have to like you. Yeah. Your experience is your own experience, regardless of whatever, because I think there's this argument that, you know, if you were truly raped, you would go straight to the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. not but it's, it's not like that. No, it's not no. like that. And like, like how can and like what you're most likely gonna have to sit across from somebody that you don't trust and just be interrogated on it and then to press charges and go through that experience when how like you see people the scrutiny they have to go under through the media how the outcomes often never really work in the victim's way when it comes to court cases unless it's happened in that out in the street it's a stranger and it's this very aggressive harmful not that it 
the yeah. others aren't harmful, but no. like, you know, they're left with bruises no, and cuts and they've yeah. been, you know, assaulted just brutally. Unless they're in that situation, majority of them don't make it very far. So why the fuck would you want to go and put yourself through that? Exactly. Yeah. And I think the Brock Turner case is really like a really good one to bring into this because that was a, that was a stranger at a party where she was unconscious and he raped her behind like a dumpster and two people pulled her off, pulled him off her. He only got sentenced to six months in prison and then served three. And that's like a, that's a caught in the act case. That's a guilty as fuck, like, you know, cannot be proven otherwise kind of case. Whereas many cases are very, become very he said she said and yeah. it's like it's a mm-hmm. situation that's experienced between two people or you know the victim and multiple people that if you unless you were in the room it's very hard to prove um, absolutely yeah. yeah so it's really hard absolutely is there anything else um i think just yeah just don't rush the healing process and that you will get back to sets when you're ready to. And that mm. you know, sets is sets still can be a beautiful thing for you. Like I've had I've had many beautiful sexual experiences since being sexually mm. assaulted. And mm. I had this big fear that I wouldn't be able to ever do it again. Um, but I think that my relationships and my sex life just become even more richer because I'm being held in such a beautiful way. Mm, absolutely. And you just saying then you will get back to sex. It just reminded me, I just um finished a book. Uh, your body keeps my body keeps your secrets I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of it but it's based on um, you know sexual assault and holding shame in your bodies and the author says sex is what sexual assault is one of those only scenarios where you have something so traumatic happen to you but you have to keep doing it in your life now obviously like you don't have to but you have to keep putting yourself in that situation and there's not many other situations where you have such a traumatic experience and you're expected to then keep putting yourself in that scenario and be open and vulnerable and build connections with people like that. Like there's not many situations like that and that is very heavy and hard to work through. Yeah, and that's such a good point. And I really felt that like myself because it's like I identified previously as a very sexually... Um, active and explorative kind of person you know um so it's like I didn't know how to not have that part of my personality I was like how do I just throw that girl out like I love that part of me you know now I feel like it's like bruised and I'm like you know like get better already you know (laughs) yeah but yeah I think it just looks different and that's okay yeah absolutely now I'd love to know what is something that is orgasmic to you oh you know what's really orgasmic to me is on like after like a night out having like a shower with the lights mm-hmm. turned off and oh, like I some music love it. oh my god <laughs> and then yes. and then lying down on the ground like I always lie down or sit down when I have a shower but something about sitting down in a shower in with music with the lights off like sensory deprivation but like playing with your senses oh so fucking good well thank you so much for coming on and being so open and vulnerable and sharing your story with everyone because i know that unfortunately it will resonate with a lot of people um but i think it's really important um and yeah i guess talking about that other side coming out of it was 
yeah, it was amazing to have your insight. Thank you for having me. Love talking about it. And good to talk to you about it and relate as well. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Absolutely. As always, Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions, or stories, even through my Instagram, That's Orgasmic, or my email, Emily Duncan at thatsorgasmic.com. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast and leave a review, as I would love to know what you're thinking. So thank you, Shaggers, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>